Hi guys, it's Walter and Tiki. This is Real Ghost Stories. Bye. Why would you? I was going to say because I caught myself about to say bye, real people. Because and, and you knew I was. <laughs> so ready. I knew you was going to say something. And That's I thought, so petty. It like is, you could have gave me that. Mm -mm. You could have gave me that. Well, hello, dear listeners. I just want to take this no, opportunity this, what in show time. Is this? First, let me wait. I need to tell the listeners how I feel about all these listens. I'm you loving didn't even it. tell them the name of the show. They don't even know what's going Listen, on. Listen, they're going to know when I tell them right now how I feel. All right. You I'm did. very ecstatic about all the listens. Like, we just we just sit and look at all the listens. Like, we like 400, 900, 6. I'm just, I'm psyched because I appreciate every last one of you guys for listening, tuning in. I know, like, sometimes it could be like, Lauren, when are they going to get to the story? All right. <laughs> I don't care what nobody say. I know at least one listener is like, oh, my God. I believe it's more than one. It's probably like half. Like, oh, my God, here he goes. And she just sits there and tries to put up with it. It's ridiculous. Nah, they, they laugh. You are Yeah, funny. it's a few funny ones. Ha ha. But that still don't said. mean they don't be irritated. Like, well, he shut the fuck up. <laughs> she be try struggling to read in the back. Like, when you complain, yeah. I know they be like, we're with you. Right. The fuck <laughs> if he would just stop for a second. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop. But no, seriously, though, we really do appreciate all the listens. We love you guys. Aw. Um... Today's episode in in lieu, you know they be doing that in lieu of, of paranormal, given the Halloween spirit. Um, what you got going? Because usually it's just paranormal. So, but I said we'll read um things that happen like creepy and scary on, about on Halloween. N not necessarily paranormal, mm -mm. just the, the the regular old creepy. Yeah. Let me tell you something right now. When you start reading this list, if you start getting down into murders, I want you to hop on back over to paranormal because we're not into murder. No, that was. Well, hey, because right down that list, starting with number 10, is Martha Moxley. I don't know her. Yeah, you do. It's morbid. I hate when a it's person morbid, tell it's morbid, me no, because it's morbid who as I, I am. Know. It's morbid as I am. You know Martha Moxley. I heard the name, but okay. I don't know her we'll, we'll, story. We'll, we'll start with it, then you'll you'll pick it up, shall we? We shall. Okay, Greenwich, Connecticut. Oh, I do know uh, Martha. Okay, I knew that's oh, what I, I had to say. To say. <laughs> Just say Greenwich. <laughs> okay, Greenwich, Connecticut. Is I know it a what place? happened down in Greenwich. I saw the movie as a young child, guys. A young child. Isn't a child abuse? Isn't a place. You'd expect to find a body. It's one of the wealthiest. Oh, it's one of the wealthiest burgs in the states. And I mean, it still sits there. So let me tell you, you won't get me. I don't want to live anywhere near that place or Martha's <laughs> business. Huh? Okay, the place where Bush Senior played as a boy, where a soul, where a solid dozen U.S. senators are raising their own kids. But in 1975, in the sprawling estate's multi-million dollar mansions and manicured lawns, the blood-soaked body of 15-year-old Martha Moxley was found 
on a cold Halloween morning. Mm. The discovery shot. That's sad. It's like horrible. it's something like you imagine that she probably said, like, oh, I'ma make you a uh, I'ma make girl's you something for very Halloween. No, but this you... is a subject that she really holds interest in, huh? Oh, you're not gonna hardly hear me this episode because I'm not into murder. <laughs> but this one here. Oh, the roles are gonna reverse. <laughs> Let's watch. No, I'm serious. No, I'm just talking about her mom, like and we'll get it like you know when you think of Halloween you think of you think of like I'm about to we about to give out candy we about to make Halloween like things Mm -hmm. traditional and it was early so it wasn't even Halloween night you know what I mean that's kind of that's like suppose her mom had plans for them on Halloween that's just I know what you're talking about that had to be so sad anyway Um, where did I leave off? Okay. The discovery shocked the town. Martha had been beaten with the golf club so hard that the club had shattered. And then she'd been stabbed in the neck with one of the jagged pieces. Then her killer had dragged her 24 meters, 80 feet, and dropped her off in her own backyard. Damn. All eyes soon turned to 17-year-old Tommy Skakel, the nephew of Senator Robert F. Kennedy, According to reports, Martha had been out with her friends that night, excuse me, before Halloween, and they had all gone to a party at the Skakel's house. Tommy had left the party with Martha late at night, but she never made it home, even though their houses were only 130 meters, 450 feet away. Although the police had their suspect, they never made a conviction, and the gruesome Greenwich Halloween murder remained a cold case for over 16 years. In 1991, renowned investigation into Moxley's case brought back into the public eye, but it wasn't until 1998, 23 years after the girls, after the girls, oh, after the young girl's murder, that a killer was named Michael Skakel, Tommy, Tommy's brother. According to novelist Dominic Dunn, Michael had once climbed a tree outside Martha's window and masturbated. He was infatuated with the girl. In 2002, Michael Skakel was finally convicted of the murder by a grand jury. But that story doesn't end there. Michael Skakel was later granted an appeal. And in 2013, he was released from prison on bail. You see that? Mm-mm-mm. You see what money can do for you? And we all know he did it. Hmm? What do you mean, hum? That's a rich family. In a way, in hell, in reality, oh, you no, because I seen your hand, then I seen it go back. You gonna like, walk around good. killing? <clears throat> I already know he did it. I knew he did it that time because it was too much evidence. Remember but I mean, to movie? get out, to get out, to really get in the pit. That's a slap in the family's face. Mm. I think. I just think. I think anybody that commits a murder that was found convicted, like they had enough evidence to convict yeah. you, and you really were guilty, and then you may do twenty three years, twenty four, twenty five years. And you come up and you be able to get out. I don't. I don't think that's. I mean, how many years cool. did he do? I don't care. <laughs> you killed somebody. Yeah, you did kill her, and I seen that movie as a young child. And that that scene of the murder has always played in my mind. Whenever I hear the name Greenwich 
And, and you know how many shows up? Like, I was just wanting, they used to talk about Greenwich all the time. First time you even say Greenwich, I don't have yeah, to Yeah, that's the first thing that flashed in my mind is that Lifetime movie of him with that with that goddamn uh, golf club. <laughs> and he's just swinging away. <laughs> and he's just swinging away. That's what gets me each time. Did you hear something? But to know you was climbing up but into... But did you hear something? It was Thomas. But to know you was climbing up into like her tree, you took things a lot further than I knew. You didn't just murder her. You were sick. Okay, well, next. Peter, what is his name? Peter Fabiano. Why are these all murders? I don't know. This is what popped up. Peter and Betty Fabino, Fab Fabiano were just getting ready for bed when they heard their doorbell ring on October 31st, 1957. It was now after... 11 o'clock p.m., a little later for trick-or-treaters, but Peter reluctantly headed downstairs and grabbed the candy bowl. It was Halloween. Oh, Not for me. <clears throat> what was one more kid? But when he opened the door, Peter got the shock of his life. On his doorstep stood a grown woman in blue jeans and a cheap mask pointing the bottom of a paper bag at his chest. Upstairs, Betty Fabiano heard a loud pop, then the screech of tires as the car sped off outside. Racing downstairs, she found her husband on the floor in front of the open door, gasping for breath, blood pouring from a gaping wound on his chest. He was dead before they reached the hospital. Police were mystified. Peter Fabiano worked as a hairdresser, a hairdresser in the San Fernando Valley. He had no enemies, at least no one would want to kill him, who would want to kill him. But the deeper they looked into the crime, the more twisted it all seemed. Two weeks after that, two weeks after Is the Is Betty cold, his wife? Yeah. Then I'm going to assume that Peter <coughs> is, um, it was a hate crime or a crime of passion from his male lover. Because there's no way you're just a straight hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> Why you can't be a straight hairdresser? You don't gotta be gay to be no hairdresser. Whatever, people just gay. Some people like to do hair. Gay. Uh. Gay. They didn't so say what he about was a, parents? They didn't say he was a barber, huh? That's okay. The so what about version. what about what about men who know how to braid their kids' hair? Gay. No, they not. Shut up. Somebody could get them. The the fact that they have the fact that they have been alone with their child long enough to develop that type of emotional bond where you learn to braid, <laughs> you have now uh, opened yourself up emotionally to many a thing. There's a queer that could get them. Gay. Fuck you mean? Like, don't tell me about my business. Whatever, huh? whatever, whatever, whatever. Come on. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyway. 1043, and it's still gay. Two, two weeks after the cold-blooded killings, police nabbed Joan Rabel, a 40-year-old who'd once been employed at one of Peter's salons. Mm. And said one of them. He had money. Yeah. And for some reason, was she was lying about bell. being out that night of... Being out that night. I no, being out the said. night of Peter's death. But not all liars moonlight as killers. And the cops had to let Joan Rebel go for the lack of evidence. Then a month later, an anonymous caller directed police to a rented locker in an area department store. Inside, they found a thirty-eight revolver, which ballistics matched to the bullet that had been lodged under Peter Fabiano's heart. 
hmm. dorm. The locker wasn't being rented by Joan Rabel. However, it belonged to a woman named Goldine, what's her name? Goldine Peaser, who worked at a local children's hospital and had no connections with the Fabiano family. The clues were there, but none of them made sense until Peter, no, until Peaser began to confess. Golden Peaser and Joan Rabel, it turned out, were lovers. For months, Rabel had told her about a man named Peter Fabiano. Her? Yeah, named Peter. Shocking. Named Peter Fabiano, whom the latter called evil and vile. Rabel regaled Peter with sickening stories of Fabiano and the way he abused his wife. And before long, Peaser began to hate this man she had never met. She agreed to help Rabble kill him. With Rabble's money, Peaser bought a gun. Rabble drove to Fabier's house, and Peaser walked. And Peaser, shaking so hard, she had to use both hands to steady the revolver. But a bullet in Peter's Fabier's chest when he opened the door to give her a piece of candy. But why would Joan Rabel spend months seeding this idea of hate? In Peter's head, simply, simply put, Rabel had been sleeping with Peter's wife, and it seems she just wanted him. She just wanted to get him out of the way. At their trials, Rabel pleaded not guilty, and Peter pleaded insanity. But both agreed to a plea deal oh, for so the wife was degree gay. murder and in life in prison. And there you go. So the wife was gay. <laughs> I knew somebody was gay in this. Okay, I just my my alarms went off and I it was misdirected. But somebody was gay. They don't just throw the word hairdresser around and man in the same subject. It just doesn't, it didn't hit my ears right. So, okay, well, if the next one's murder, I swear to God. In 2014, just days before Halloween, <laughs> witnesses saw a man drag a decapitated body out of a Long Island apartment. People are sick in this He world. laid the body in the street, then kicked the head to the opposite curb. What in the hell? You know that whole, you, that whole place is haunted. Ain't nobody's here. You rolling. see that day in and day out. That's, no, in the movie. That's an imprint. No, you keep saying it. You wake up around three in the morning, like you go to your window and you just see it happening. You see a head just flying, uh, you see huh? him. You see the whole thing. You see him dragging the body. You see him kicking the head. You call the police. They get out there. Ain't shit there. It said it had all the signs of a, what is it, macabre Halloween prank. Mac. Macabre Halloween prank. And that's what everybody thought it was for a while. Nobody did anything about it. One witness even said the whole thing looked fake. The horrifying truth only came to light when a good Samaritan tried to move the corpse out of the middle of the street and realized that it was a real body. It didn't take long for police to to deduce that the body belonged to Patricia Ward, a 66-year-old professor at New York's Farmingdale State College. Even before discovering her body, police had received another call about another dead ward. This one had been run over by a train about a mile down the road. Soon, the tragic deaths of the murders came to light. Patricia's son, 35-year-old Derek Ward, had a history of mental illness but it seemed to be on but he seemed to be on the road to recovery when he moved into the small Farmingdale apartment with his mother. Then for some reason he snapped. He beheaded his mother, then dragged her body on the apartment 
out of the apartment downstairs and through the front door of the building. After leaving the body in the street, he calmly walked away and leaped in, in front of an oncoming train. As to why he did it, we'll never know. Damn, that nigga lost. Why don't you tell him about Riley? <laughs> Yo, he just jumped in front of him. Look, ain't nothing that's... I ain't, no, he was I couldn't do no stuff like that. He clearly snapped. He beheaded his mom and kicked her head across the street. What kind of... Oh, God. It's like it's real people in the world. It's real people. It's real wow. People. That type of stuff make ghosts look like a joke. <laughs> okay, I would rather deal with a dead person than a liar. Well, now we're jumping on over because this is seditious uh -uh. haunting the Chelsea Hotel. Among other creepy activities, the Chelsea is the place where Sex Pistols singer Sid Vicious allegedly stabbed his girlfriend Nancy Springer to death in 1978. He died before police could determine if he was actually the killer. And while we were there, my cousin, who wasn't familiar with the history of the hotel or Sid Vicious, claimed to have an encounter with the spirit of the English rocker while she was in the shower. Okay. I had gone out to get us some snacks, and while I was away, she took a shower. She felt immediately uneasy and later told me that she sensed a strong presence standing behind her while she was wish washing her hair. She said she heard a man whisper in her, hear in her ear, get out. Hmm. Then he she quickly saw the man before he vanished. When I came back, she had barricaded the door closed and was in panic. Later, when we were walking through the hallways of the Chelsea, we came across a painting of Vicious, and she stopped cold. That's who I saw, she told me. He wants us to leave. I then told her the story of the hotel, of what happened in room 100 and in, 19, and in 1978. According to the website Real Paranormal Experiences, what happened to my cousin is not uncommon. The apparition of Sid Vicious has been seen in the elevator, hopefully opening and closing doors and operating the buttons. Mm. Now, I did not feel anything sinister at the Chelsea, but I have been obsessed with the hotel since I was 17. I was aware of the history and, and being that actually made me feel inspired. However, my cousin, my cousin was relieved when we checked out the next morning. I was checked out that night. Okay, listen, I'm not that into day. That. The, listen, when and you, I want my money all, back. No, first of all, I when, want my money back. When I seen, when I saw uh, him and he said, "Get out." I'm not barricading myself in that very no, room. I want my money. I'm back. going to nicely go downstairs. You want me out, not in. I'm going downstairs. I'm <laughs> checking out. And then when my cousin looks looking for me, she's going to find me downstairs sitting waiting in for the her car. to pack our stuff. I'm not even. I'm sitting where people. She can at. keep that stuff. He already latched onto it. Well, that hotel can. That hotel can cash. Ain't no way in hell. It ain't no way in hell. You won't even get me to Unless stay in that cash. room. I'm not even staying in that hotel no more. You can have them little bit of clothes I bought. I don't really take jewelry nowhere when you go nowhere. I don't have much jewelry. It don't even matter. Like I'm not staying. And what I'm also saying is, he already <laughs> latched on to my stuff. He can, they can, have, the hotel can have it. Mm -mm. You know, you don't bring many clothes. Okay, so next is The Conjuring. Mm -hmm. Now, perhaps you've seen the movie The Conjuring, which details the paranormal experience of the Perron family. 
after they moved into a farmhouse in Harrisville, Rhode Island in 1970. This story is actually true, and the family has called the movie an accurate depiction of what happened to their to them during the 10 years there at the hands of menacing spirit and former resident Bathsheba Sherman. First of all, why would you stay there for 10 years? I'm not staying anywhere for 10 years enduring that mess day in and day out. Huh? I, 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 because they wanted to, you, people, people be broke. What do you expect people to do? No money. You didn't put all your money in there. Yo, did you see The Conjuring? I didn't. I didn't see it. What? Did they have the money to move? I don't know. All I know is, did you see The Conjuring? No, I did not see it. So, then I'm not staying there. And if you didn't see The Conjuring, then listen, at the end of the day, it was it was this woman and her kids. And they lived in this house. And Is that Bathsheba? Yes! Then, yeah, I saw it. I'm not with that for 10 years. No, I wouldn't put up with it for a night. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. We're going to go and to and a did shelter. Did they own that house? Or were they renting? I don't care they can have that house. Were they renting or they owned it? I believe they owned it. Then I would strike match to flame. Uh, or they was uh, rented or they bought it. I don't something, know because it was her house. Nobody's going to have it. You got to purify that land and start over from the bottom to the top. So I'm going to burn the house completely But they down. had no money. Oh. I think they was uh, they was getting by. Then they had to put up with it for 10 years. No. No, you don't. Because in that 10 years, in that one year, in that day. See, I mean, you got to put up with it for a while. No, At not. least enough to build up the money, and then by no, your why first she year in, no shelter. I don't you, care. You just, though. You think I'm not staying there. You think of any and everything. I'm not, but you're not staying there. Clearly. Where's her family? Some people don't have that type of connections, and that's true. But where is? I'm going to a shelter. Sometimes you don't have no other option. What's wrong with the shelter? Ten years. It don't look like there was no shelter in that town. She had a family. You see how big that family was. I'm not doing 10 years. Anyway. Let me tell you something. You talking about doing your first year. You do your first year. If you put up with it for a year, by the coming of that, the, that, that first year, you realize you can put up with it for a second. And by your second, third, fourth, fifth, it just seems to get easier. Whatever. Anyway. You so, should put your foot down that first night. We're not dealing with this. You come in here with the holy water. Hit it. Hit it with the exorcism. At least try. Till the house start to shake and rattle, then I'm out. <laughs> okay. During her lifetime in the 1800s, Bathsheba filled the role of housewife, while her husband Judson. Tell me, she that wasn't her real life name. Yeah, Bathsheba. Her Judson, mom set her up for failure. Justin worked on a farmer as a farmer on their land, fairly well off. Bathsheba and Justin had a son, Herbert L. Sherman, born when Bathsheba was approximately 37 years of age. In March of 1849, History versus Hollywood reported <clears throat> it is possible that they had three other children as well, all of whom did not survive past the age of seven, though no census records could be found to confirm these reports. While other spirits are said to have haunted the family, Bathsheba was the one was the only one reported to be set on wrecking havoc on the parent family, particularly the mother. Carolyn, whom Bathsheba allegedly even possessed at one point. While she was alive, Bathsheba was accused of being a witch due 
due to the premature deaths of her other children and the death of another infant in her care, which the video Edge of Night Edge of Nightfall claims was caused by a sewing needle being inserted in the child's brain. It's reported that Bathsheba also used the sewing needle to torment Carolyn and the parent family aren't the only ones who have experienced supernatural activity while living in the house. Everyone who has lived in that house that we know of has experienced this. Some have left screaming and running for their lives. Andrea Parent, <coughs> author of House of Darkness, about her experience living in the house as a child, told Talusa, no, Talapusa Journal History versus Hollywood reported the man who moved in began to re the restoration on the house when we sold it left screaming without his car, without his tools, without his clothing. He never went back to the house. What did he say? That he left his car. What you ran at me? He, yeah. Take it off. <laughs> Wait a minute. First you of all, you all. came there in your car. That means whatever you saw, you said, fuck that car. You just took off booking down the road. Like and he, he didn't want it. He said they could have it. come back for his car? No, he said he never came back. No, okay then. Fuck Yo, you had to have seen something so terrifying that Bad. you left your car, yeah, your tools, your you means to work, to like your livelihood. What did you see? He, she probably, oh my God. Did you see it? Was, was, wasn't that nun in there? I don't think that was Bathsheba. No, it was the the the, 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 the witch one, the girl that was hanging in that tree. I want to see nothing. You don't know what he saw. Okay. Shit, some people mind a lot less to break, okay? The Rolling Doe Exorcism. Okay, The Exorcist is a movie you I've You want it seen. to be about murder. You should hear yourself. Okay, like it's no, boring. No, that's what it said. Okay, thank you. I apologize. Exorcist is a movie <laughs> I've seen once and will never see again because it's scary as fuck. Wow. Yeah, and I've seen it more than once. In fact, I've seen it so many times that certain parts have become almost funny to me. <laughs> like... When he first walks in there and she looks at him. My dad's sister oh, found man. it so frightening when she saw when she saw it in nineteen seventy three that she's had to move back in with my grandparents or so I'm told since I wasn't born yet. The reason this movie is so scary is that it's based on a true story. And that's true. According to Mental Floss, Washington Post article from nineteen forty nine with the headline, Priest Freeze, Mount Rainer Boy Reported Held in Devil's Grip. Followed, held in Devil's Grip. Mm. Follows the suit, Priest William S. Bolden, Boldern, Edward Hughes, Raymond J. Bishop, Walter A. Holleran. No, no. Participating in the rite of exorcism on a boy with the Roland Doe in, Mer in Maryland. Okay. According to the priest, they allegedly they allegedly experienced the boy speaking in tongues, the bed shaking and hovering, objects flying around the room. The Ordell Metal Floss reported the exorcism was one of three official Catholic Church-sanctioned exorcism in the United States at the time. Okay. Three. One of three, they say. Yeah. Mm. I mean, two other people was being exorcised, demon. They started with doctors and then psychiatrists and then psychologists. And then they went to their minister who couldn't help them. And they would 
And then they wound up with the Catholic Church. The Washington Post article says that the boy was possessed and exercised. That's pretty out of a limb for a national newspaper to put it on in front in the front page. I don't think you've seen that too. Often nowadays, possibly in a mother what is that? Murdoch paper. But what you're not going to see that on the front page of an intelligent newspaper unless there's something there. Okay. The Mothman. About a year after the Mothman first began appearing. Did my cousin say he saw the Mothman? I think so. No, the Jersey Devil. Oh, the Jersey Devil. First began appearing... A, a still bridge connecting West Virginia and Ohio mysteriously collapsed during rush hour, killing 46 people. Survivors reported seeing the Mothman just before the collapse, and after the tragedy of the sightings of the Moth... I, these people don't got no period or nothing. Before the collapse and after the tragedy of the sightings of the Mothman stopped. While some people think seeing the Mothman right before the Right before the collapse was an indication that the mythic creature was responsible. Others believe appearances of the Mothman during the year or prior to the collapse was actually a warning. Mm. <clears throat> now, of all the ghost stories and horror movies, Nightmare on Elm Street is the one I thought would be the least likely to be based in reality. However, the inspiration for the Wes Craven movie came from a real-life story. What? Mm. Published in the Los Angeles Times in 1987. Since April 1983, at least 130 Southeast Asian refugees have left this world in essentially the same way. The article stated they cried out in their sleep, and then they died. While this seems totally unrealistic in some cultures, there's actually a name for it. In the Philippines, it's called what is it? Bangudgut. In Japan, it's called Pakari. In Thailand, something else. Dr. Kishner told the Times, but it all roughly translates as the same thing: nightmare death. The deaths all came from the same comp from the same community. The victims were all people who allegedly had no symptoms of ill health. They all died, died while having nightmares. Autopsy revealed that some of the victims of nightmare deaths died by sudden heart stoppage, and the coroner also found something else strange. All of the 18 hearts I examined were slightly enlarged, and 17 showed defects in their conduction systems. The array of fibers that carries electronic impulses from the brain to the heart, the Times reported, the fibers were, fra were frayed and curled, as if, Kirster said their hearts just shorted out. Because all the victims examined by the coroner had the same genetic defect, one theory is that the defect is tandem with the nightmares cause their hearts to stop. If you're scared, this could be happening. This could happen to you now that you know the nightmare on Elm Street is based on a true story. The Times reported that nightmare deaths are only found in certain Asian populations. Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, as well as the Philippines and Japan. Wow. I I believe that's why you shouldn't fear your nightmares. See that 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 that, that comes from being terrified. 
I mean, I've been scared in a dream, but mostly it's like a thrill, like a, like a movie that you're watching. Mm. I don't get, you getting caught up in something. I don't understand how people don't understand that their dreams be dreams. Even when I'm scared, I know it's a dream. know it's a dream. How? Because you don't. Because when I be scared, I don't be knowing I'm dreaming. I can't. Sometimes I be thinking in my dream when I be dreaming, I be like, am I dreaming? And then it's something that happened where it make me think I'm not. And yeah, that's then the sometimes, dream. Sometimes I'll, I could be dreaming and just not know because it just seems so real. Like people are there that I know and it seems so real. Like, but I, because I, I can't remember it. Did I just go to be it? That's why they say that. When you about to lucid or you about to lay down, you supposed to say that if you want to go into a lucid dream, be like, I'm I'm dreaming, I'm about to go to sleep, I'm about to go to sleep, so you can tell yourself that. You know what I found? I did that so many times and then I stopped, but I found that lately that's how it be happening. I wake up in the middle of like the I uh, be in sleep, mm-hmm. and then I go back to sleep real quick. Yeah. And as I'm going back to sleep, it'll be like I can feel myself getting drift off, and I say, "Oh, lucid dream." <laughs> and it'd and be then a you dream. go straight to it. Yeah, I don't have time for that. I don't have. Plus, I even when it's not a lucid dream, I know it's a dream. I know damn well I just closed my eyes. Okay, something's wrong with y'all memory. Mm-mm. It ain't got nothing to do with dreams and all and making you believe it's a, it's real life. Clearly, your memory is ruined. Okay, so now we're going to, something else. Okay, for anyone with loud upstairs neighbors, (coughs) my sister and I were staying at an old historic hotel in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of nowhere, Montana. The building had been in in use since the 1800s. My sister loves this place and has frequented it many times over the years. I was kept up all night by someone pacing around on the hardwood floors in the room above ours drove me crazy. In the morning, I asked my sister how she could sleep through it, and she told me that the upstairs of the building used to be a ballroom, but now it's carpeted and empty. The hotel staff confirmed that nobody was up there, and furthermore, if they were, I wouldn't have heard heels on the hardwood floor. Mm. That's all I could say was, mm. I was at a slumber party in the eighth grade with a few of my friends when we decided, stupidity, to have a seance in our unfinished basement. We were having fun and giggling as we were trying to figure out whom to summon when someone suggested Jack the Ripper, mm. a serial killer from the late 1800s, and I immediately got a got a pit in my stomach. No, I spoke up. We shouldn't summon something evil. That's right caught a man's voice from the other side of the of the cellar. There were no boys or men there. We were home alone. Another girl and myself heard it, and I'll never be the same again. Mm. You hear that? That's it. right. Right. He respected he it. I would have been psyched on that the That probably level. was one of her family members. <laughs> huh? It probably was somebody like related her to her. Yeah, like her. He was psyched. <laughs> You didn't ask, <laughs> right? He was like, nobody had ask to intervene. If I wanted you to summon me, right? <laughs> you, nobody, you didn't even have to say nothing. She was taught, <laughs> okay? No, no, we should not do something evil. That's right. Speak on it. Talk about it. So, Great. 
It says Amen. Demon in the Dark. No. So. I've seen a nightmare like that a couple nights ago. There was a demon in the dark. Well, you can tell that, but wait. Let me do this first, and then you tell that what happened to you the other night. My family traveled to the south of France to stay in a cottage owned by someone my dad worked with. The owners visited occasionally, occasionally, but that summer it was free, and we had 10 days booked in there. After a long two days on the road, we drove down a steep driveway towards a secluded mill college cottage. With the water, what is wrong with me today? With the water wheel sat static alongside the stone house. There was a deep cellar with stone stairs down under the wheel next to the house, and a small river circled the place. We went into. I can't even see right or something. Let me see. We went into the house and chose rooms, but being set down in a small, in a small, what these people. I don't know what they tried to say, so I'm going to just skip that. The house was draft and cold from lack of use. We settled in and turned all the heating on, yet the, <coughs> yet the house remained cold and felt damp. The first night, we had a fire in the living room and listened to a couple of audio books. We set a fire in the living room and listened to a couple, couple of audio books before my sister and I went to sleep. My parents stayed up a little longer than went to bed. Around midnight, they both woke up at exactly the same time, and the door to their bedroom was opening slowly. At first, they thought it was my sister until they saw a large, dark silhouette of a man framed in the doorway, standing stock still, just looking in their direction, as if appraising them. After a short period, the shape turned and started to move, as if satisfied, and disappeared. They looked at each other but didn't speak, and both went back to sleep. The next morning, the house felt warm and dry. The sunlight was back through the windows as if something had lifted and accepted them. They spoke the next day and both agreed that although they were skeptics, it could not have been anything other than something supernatural in that doorway deciding their worth. Mm. Yeah, I probably was sitting back. Oh, let me see. Who are you? I don't see. Do I like you? Are you cool? Mm. <laughs> All right. You're in. You'll get that pass. <laughs> that means if we walked in there, they would have said, oh, no. <laughs> he would have stepped in, showed his face. That means he knew we got to go and we were going to go. And you ain't got to tell me. because You don't we... got to do anything. No, actually, I don't know show. if I'm going. Because it depends on what time of night it is. Because if it's in some, they talking about it had to be in some steep hill. I'm not doing that. I'm not going back. I'm... First of all, I'm going to be too scared because I'm going to freeze. Yeah, so you're going to be end up yelling in my face and I can't move. <laughs> and all you see is the tears running down my face. Oh, my God. You yelling, get out, but I wish I could. And knowing me, that I'm, let's just start rambling. I wish I could get out, but, sir, but my legs, <laughs> <laughs> they won't carry me out of here. I want so badly to leave. I can't leave her, so we just, we... we what what we gonna do to rectify the situation? <laughs> Either I guess you gonna attack, and we'll pray, or you'll leave us alone. What? <laughs> like, cause I'm, I can't run, and I know you're not going to, cause you're frozen, and I can't leave you. And you know I'm frozen. I don't, I don't know nothing. How else. I wish I could leave you. How I wish I could just turn around and book it. So you would leave me. I said there. how I wish. 
So, but you that mean you want to? You wish I you wish could do that? I could. You damn fucking right. There's no way in hell I feel like I should have to stay in there because you want to seize up every time something frightful happens. <laughs> I, that is not my. That's not the way my brain works. That's fight or flight, and you, I, you know you've all, you're always going to choose fight. So you, you seize up, preparing for an attack. I prefer flight. These legs will carry me to freedom. You understand? Wow. Huh? I'd have started stretching them. These long boys. <laughs> through the air, I'd have been zipping. You hear me? And then we're, but you're going to go down that dark. First I, I of don't, all, you got... It's not going to take me that long in my fear. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm stretching them. I might as well damn near be skipping. Huh? <laughs> And I'm just gonna be what still standing. And they'll yeah, screaming the last scream you'll ever scream. Oh, well, what if you? Oh, what if you bad. ran and you heard it? Oh, my, oh god. my god! By the time I got down that hill, I probably wouldn't have heard it from my adrenaline. All I would hear is the blood rushing in my ears. Thump 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 thump. I don't hear nothing, and I live to tell. When I come back with the police and you're not there, that would hurt. <laughs> okay, what happened to her? Ooh. They say I murdered you and everything. You that know how the police work. That would, it would, would not be a good scene. Would that you for like, with, for like, wondering it what would. really happened? For years. You you would be one of the people that that go insane till they find out what's going on, or would you just go on with your life? I'm not. Come on now. You kill yourself. It, no, I believe the guilt would start to eat at me. Like I see you, mm. you standing there bloody and gnarled, blaming me. You think I do that? Yup. With the numbers. <laughs> Here, take them. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go ahead? Oh, tell your experience. What happened to you the other night? It was just, it was just a dream. I I woke up like I often do in my dreams, where I just pop up. But I was upstairs, and I came down. The basement was just like this. It was just like a basement, just like this. But the house upstairs was different. Mm. And I came down the stairs, and right where this, right where we at, right now, where the where the uh the um what is that? What is that above us? The light bulb is. Uh-huh. Right there was just like a, a darker, like a shadow being just standing there. It didn't scare me or anything. It did. It did. It was intense. It wasn't scary. It was intense. Because mm. I started at the top of the stairs and I knew something was down here. And I flicked the lamp, the light, the mm-hmm. switch, and it didn't come on. And for some reason, my legs just kept carrying me down here and I got to like right over there at the end of the rug mm-hmm. and I just was standing there and my dumb ass is stretching my hand out in the night trying to feel this 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 darkness that I'm seeing mm-hmm. and like I said I normally just watch my dreams I don't normally like hop inside of them unless I feel I need to mm-hmm. I didn't want to know what I was reaching for I hopped in and I woke myself up so that was the end of that it did not feel good it was entirely dark, and it felt less dream and more like outer body experience. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think I, um, I remember that. Um, you remember that time I told you that when I was with Premier's dad, with Jay, I saw him in the corner. Yeah, I remember what, that what story. you call that? Did I ever tell that story? I to think that listeners? was him doing that. But you being clairvoyant was were able to see it. Did I ever tell that? No, you never told that story. Okay, well, to the listeners, this happened to me when oh, 
this had to be a couple. And let me say, to my listeners, I don't remember how old I was. I think this happened about when I was maybe about 35, wasn't I? Oh, 33. No, 32. 34. Something like that. Around well, 34, that 35. Because I wasn't trying to make myself sound, oh, you know how people stop telling my fucking uh, age. We as females don't want to do that. So, but anyway, I was about 35 years old, and my my youngest daughter's father had <clears throat> went to, where was he at? It was, uh, like, Idaho or somewhere. Was it Idaho? I don't yeah. know. It was one of them places, Kentucky, Idaho. Well, he was there, and we're, I live in Delaware, and he had left and went to Idaho or Kentucky, one of them places. And ended up getting into a real bad car accident. Now, mind you, I never, I didn't know that he got into a car accident until maybe a, like a week later. So, I am sleep one night and I just get this real eerie feeling like somebody's in the room with me. So, I thought it was one of my kids, so I had sat up, and it was really dark in the room, and I just remember seeing a figure standing, like, in the corner, just standing in the corner, almost like how they were standing in the corner on Blair Witch Project. Mm. He was just standing in the corner, and, like, staring straight, and I'm looking at him, and I'm not scared. I just get a, a feeling of, what are you doing over there? Like, that's, I think that's even how I said it. I think I was like, I see you over there. So why are you standing there like that? And it was crazy because when in the shadow, I could still see that it was my daughter's father. And I'm looking at him thinking, okay, he must have came home. He must have got back when I was asleep or something. So I'm looking at him, and I'm like, why are you standing over there? I see you over there. And then as I um, keep letting my eyes try to adjust, and he's not saying anything, so I'm just like, well, whatever. And I, I lay back down and go to sleep, right, paying no attention. So the next day, well, no, the next night, I ended up falling asleep real late. And felt like I was, like, feeling weird. It was like I couldn't get to sleep. Like, I kept tossing and turning, tossing and turning, tossing and turning. And something told me to call him. So I tried to call his phone. He didn't answer. He didn't answer. So I'm now thinking, did something happen? Because I hadn't heard from him all all that day. So... Now I'm really getting worried because I'm like, why did I see that in a in a corner? Like, did he die? So I'm proceeding to call every hospital. I finally get a hospital in that city, in that state, and they told me that they had him in the hospital, that they were trying to find family for him because he had gotten into a car accident and car had flipped over and he had just woke up. 
he had been in a coma. Well, he had been in a coma for a week. And the day that I had seen him in that, um, the day, I, that night I had seen him, mm-hmm. he had woke up that night, that morning. Mm. I mean, so I, I'm mm-hmm. taking it like. It was. It was an outer body experience. He, he traveled. He was half between life and death. And I believe he, yeah, because I don't think I would ever knew. I think that he was trying to tell me something. Mm-hmm. But that was the crazy thing. But the crazy part was I wasn't even scared. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like, you know how when I saw the shadow man, it's like a fear. Like, even yeah. though I was in the room by myself. You remember William Penn Village? I was in the room by myself because I had a huge bedroom. And... With the lights off, only glare you got is from that window. But since my curtain was there, it was dark anyway. And he was already darker than dark. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even thinking about the shadow, man. I'm just sitting up. I see you over there. What are you doing? Like it wasn't anything. Because you knew him. You know what? It's about that time for us to do that, um... That Halloween thing that you said we were going to do again, but I'm not doing it. Yeah, you said you didn't want to. Listen, if anybody, any of the listeners heard our prior stories when we talked about um, the experience we had on Halloween day, you know I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into the story. It's it's which one which one is it on so they can recap. I don't even know which one is on. It's one of them. In the beginning. Yeah. It tells about the the time that me and him was outside. And actually, that's played on Real Ghost Stories Online, isn't it? Yeah. You remember that episode? Oh it's called God. Cycle Man. Yep, Cycle Man. Cycle Man. So if anybody ever watches Real Ghost Stories Online with Tony and Jenny Bruski. We are on episode Cycle Man, and we're on another episode, oh too. Oh, my God. What is it called? I couldn't remember what that one is called right offhand. And I would know it if I saw it. Yeah. So, for those who know that story, you know I'm not doing it again. But I do want to do something this Halloween that is so creepy and I don't know why I want to do it. I actually want to go to a graveyard. Well, actually, my dad's graveyard. And are you going to do it, Walter? Hell no. With the Ouija board? Hell no. <laughs> go to my dad's graveyard with mm-hmm, the Ouija board. No, no. Sit on his gravestone. I said no. What if we did that and I felt we, the ground we, shake? We wouldn't. We wouldn't because there's not a chance I'm doing anything like that. So there's not even a, a what if. I can just tell you for a fact that I'm not. You want to sit in the shadows and look at me like I'm saying something retarded? Because I don't believe you'll never want to like. Man. You feed me that crap. Any of the listeners. No Ouija board to nobody's graveyard sitting on his stone. What? I got some listeners. Look, I was thinking about um. You are some kind of strange. I was thinking about uh, running a bus trip. You want that Mary? To Myrtle. You that Marina. Nah, running a bus trip for a paranormal experience to Myrtle's trans, Myrtle's plantation. 
because I checked it out. If we got a group discount, mm. it's a lot cheaper with it when you go on a, like a group. If you get a like a, the bus, the tour bus, and you go as a group, you get a discount. That would be awesome uh, for listeners, that? for some of the listeners. What you mean? We have paranormal listeners. That would be awesome. That would be really awesome. Yeah, it would be. So you ain't going. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I don't think you so negative. Like, I can't do nothing with you, paranormal. Oh, my God. You are some kind of weird, like, try to force me into these possessions. Never mind. Because I see right now, you you just full of shit sometimes. You talk all this <laughs> stuff about what you want to do, where you want to go, and then when it's time to do it, you be like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. Like, get the hell out of here. Anyway, let me move on. This one is called Full Heart Wet Hands. Hmm, I guess. So I used to live at this address. This house was built this the houses were built to house the people building the railway in Derby in the eighteen hundreds. I only found this out after I left the house. Thankfully it was creep it was a creepy house. Really foreboding, and every time I wash my hair in the shower, every time I open my eyes, I expected something to be there. Anyway, I came back from an afternoon lecture. Lecture one afternoon, opened the door, walked up the front, the first flight of stairs, and saw a wet handprint on the floor. A really wet handprint. I was a bit like, um, very strange at the moment, but didn't freak out. It was just out the ordinary. So I walked up to see my housemate, Ed. I opened the door and he was on the phone to his with his girlfriend, not crying, but massively in distress. What the world? That was when the, the penny dropped. He then told me that he was walking up the stairs earlier, carrying a glass of water. He felt something cold go through him, almost a push causing him to drop the water. He picked up the glass and he ran upstairs to his room. The water falling out the glass had created a handprint on the floor. Usual, literally, a handprint. Every digit was in proportion. I did freak out at that moment as I put two and two together. I told, anyone, I told everyone to get out the house, which we did, but then sheepishly returned after a FIFA session and around another friend's house. It was genuinely terrifying, but not sound. What the world? I don't know. But not sounded, but it was. It was. Ha ha. This is all true. And if someone offered me $50 to go back and spend the night there by myself, despite the fact I lived there for a year with almost no incident, I wouldn't. There was something there that didn't want six college guys there. Unfortunately, I don't have a photo of the handprint, and that's it. That's all on the list. Uh uh. When I was a kid, we lived in a haunted house. Strange things happened all the time. For example, my dad and I were alone in the kitchen one day making a snack. We put a plate on the on the kitchen counter and walked away to the fridge. We got what we wanted out of the fridge, turned around to walk back to the counter 
The plate flew off the kitchen counter and broke on the floor. My dad tried to calm me by saying the plate must have been blown off the counter. But let's face it, the plate wasn't near the edge of the counter, and there was no windows or doors open. No one else was home. I also woke up to an old lady standing by my bed on more than one occasion. I told myself I was dreaming. This part might be dark, but here's the rest of the story. Years later, I looked up the address and found that the, that an old couple lived there for many years right before we moved in. Apparently, the house was broken into and the old woman was raped and murdered. The, the old man... I know you guys heard that. I know you guys heard that. Tell me you guys heard that. I'm creeped out right now. I know you guys heard that. Right now, I'm going to tell you. We're going to have to cut this short right quick. And we'll be back. We will be back. Right now, I'm freaked out. Because if anybody is listening, then you know. Y'all all just heard that too. I didn't like it at all. Hold on. I'm really creeped out and we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back. Come on, do this because we have to I have to we have to come back. Cause that creeped me out. Can you okay. come on? Good God. Hi guys, this is Walter. And Tiki. And this is Real Ghost Stories. By real people. And happy Halloween, people. Happy Halloween. So, I know that if you caught the, the, the uh, first half of it, I know you um, probably is wondering why we cut it so short because I heard something. I don't know if we listeners caught it because I hadn't listened to it yet, but it was yesterday, so we was kind of creeped out to do it last night, so we're doing it Halloween morning, because I don't know what that was, it was just like a whole bunch of noise and then beating and bang, like it was like almost like a bang, what was it? Mm -hmm. It was like a rattle. So I have to hear it, I have to re-listen to it once this is complete, and I will let you know what we heard, if we really heard that on the, um, on the what you call on the last episode <clears throat> so if you listen to the first one if you listen to the first half and you hear it at the end as well as we did let us know too what you think it was but let's get right into it we're gonna start with um this is a guy that I came in contact with and He's his story is called Dear David. And what makes his story unique is that he tweeted about his and that's where his started from. So we'll get right into it. And it says <clears throat> the story is about Dear David is a ghost story that originated on on of all places Twitter. It started in 2017 with Illustrator, Adam, when Illustrator Adam Ellis tweeted about a ghost living in his house. His first tweet was said, 
So my apartment is currently being haunted by the ghost of a dead child and he's trying to kill me. And then he followed up with this freaky illustration. The first time I saw him, I was experiencing sleep paralysis and saw the child sitting in the green rocking chair at the foot of my bed. He had a huge misshapen head that was deaded on one side. I did my best to try and draw it. You see that? I don't know. I would have done. Wow. It looks like, for the listeners, it looks like a deformed deformed child, like, where it's like half of his brain would be missing, so his head is like caved in and sloped over, and then like one eye is like gouged out. Yeah, it's just, I mean, not gouged out, it's just pushed out a little. Like a young Jason. Like a young Jason. Wow. This fir- this ghost first came to Adam in not one, but two dreams, which you can read about in detail if you want. Dear David is supposedly a child who was crushed and killed by a shelf. Oh, that's why that explains why his head looks like that. Oh. But the thing is, the ghost did not stay in Adam's dreams said ghost began to majorly creep out Adam's very furry very real cats but lately something strange is happening for the past four nights my cats gather at the front door at exactly midnight and just stare at it almost like something is on the other side and look and they actually do you're looking at the two cats that's standing at the door at approximately 12 o'clock just like something is there at 12 o'clock apparently every Underneath the door? You see the two yeah, cats. Yeah, looking underneath it. Yeah. <coughs> and they do it at approximately 12 o'clock. Every night. Every night. And they just stare at it. They need to get the hell out of my room. So when I opened the door and turned on the hall light, nothing was there, but my cat seemed unnerved, bushy-tailed, etc. And that's where I am at right now. Dear David found me. I think I don't know what to do. I'll keep you updated. So... These are tweets that he's tweeting, but then he gets back to finally one night, Adam worked up the courage to go to the peephole of his front door and take a photo to see what his cats were so drawn to. He ended up snapping a pic of some suspicious looking fog, which naturally freaked him out. So he ran to his bed, poured a line of protective salt around his door and downloaded an app that can record sound in the middle of the night. And it picked up 33 recordings. Then he took another Polaroid thinking maybe he'd accidentally blocked the first one with his finger of his of his hallway and the image turned black for literally no reason. So he said, I also thought maybe I accidentally covered the lens with my finger, so I took a photo while intentionally covering it. The photo on the left is me covering the lens with my finger. The one on the right is me is my fully lit hallway taken just after midnight. Now it says, to prove he wasn't fucking around, he took another set of photos of the hallway from the spot inside his apartment with a regular camera and with his Polaroid camera. And this is what happened. So, someone told me to take the photo from the further, from further away, so I tried that. And he did it with his iPhone. So, it goes on. Meanwhile, a couple of Adam's dedicated followers brighten the hallway photo and discover the outline of a person. Wow. 
they do have an outline of it. Adam, Adam then had another dream in which David dragged him. And get this, he woke up with a bruise on his arm. Around that same time, he started getting calls from a no-caller ID number over and over and over. And when he finally answered, he heard a faint childlike voice say, Hello. At this point, he got a pet cam, which recorded the rocking chair where he first saw David move on its own. Wow. So, and next he discovered a creepy crawl space above his apartment where he found a child's tiny leather shoe. Oh, and to make matters worse, he set up another camera while he was sleeping, and this is what happened. At this point, everyone who had been following along assumed Adam must have been possessed. To make the whole story even creepier, he told his followers everything was fine and he suddenly left his job. So how does this ghost story end? Why, Dear David is being made into a movie, obviously. Wow. Um, I, I don't want to see no child looking like that. <laughs> like, I don't know. I probably will because I'm, I'm morbid. So, but I just don't know. I got to see. I gotta see more details about it because I don't want to be sitting up there thinking it's going to be a good movie and it's not. Like, I didn't like that Harry Potter movie. The Black Witch or whatever. I do want to see Winchester Witch. I didn't see that yet. But moving on, so... Let us know what you think about that Dear David story. I don't really... I don't know. So let's go back to the basics for a minute. We're going to go right now back to the Amityville Horror. The Lutz claimed they were... What says? Okay. The location, 112 Ocean Avenue. The date, 1974. The crime, a man named Butch DeFeo killed six members of his family. The following year... The house was sold to George and Kathy Lutz, and that's when shit got real. The Lutz claimed that they were variably haunted, complete with doors flying off their hinges, slime coming out of the ceiling, and, well, ghosts, just like hella ghosts. Some other delightful things that happened. George Lutz used to randomly wake up every morning at the exact time of the DeFeo murders, and the Lutz kids started sleeping in the same positions that the murder victims' bodies had been found. So did any of this stuff actually happen? Plenty of the people think that the Lutz family fabricated the whole thing and some people have found proof. But according to the Lutz and the lie detector test, it's all true. Mm. <clears throat> well, we're moving on to Aria, Ariana Grande's haunting. Yes, that is correct. Ariana Grande was haunted by a ghost. Her experience went down circa 2013 when she visited Skull Cemetery. Stall Cemetery, I'm sorry. In Kansas, a place so fucked up that the Pope refuses to fly over it because it's reputed to be one of the seven gates to hell. Wow. Wow. (laughs) This is Ariana's story. She said she felt sick. Overwhelming feeling of negativity over the whole car. And we smell sulfur, which is a sign of a demon. And there was fly. There was a fly in the car randomly. Excuse me. 
which is another sign of a demon. I was like, this is scary, let's leave. I rolled down the window before we left and said, we apologize, we didn't mean to disrupt your peace. <laughs> then I took a picture and there are three super distinct faces in the picture. They're faces of textbook demons. Mm. When she tried to send the photo to her manager the next day, Ariana got an error message that read, this file can't be sent. It's 666 megabytes. What the fuck? That's what it says. What the fuck? Like, it said the file couldn't be sent because it's 666 megabytes. You get that? Wow, I'd have been so scared. Eventually, Ari claimed weird things started happening to her, so she deleted the pic. Weird things like, I was going to sleep about two weeks ago. I had just gotten off the phone, and as soon as I closed my eyes, I heard this really loud rumble right by my head. When I opened my eyes, it stopped immediately. But then when I closed my eyes, it started again with whispers. Every time I closed my eyes, I started seeing these really... (laughs) Hold on. All right. I started seeing these really disturbing images with, like, red shapes. Then I opened my eyes and got back on the phone and was like, I'm really scared and I don't want to go to bed tonight. And then I scooched over to the left side of my bed because that's where the best service is in my room. And there was this massive black matter. I don't know what it was. It was like a cloud of something black right next to me. I started crying and I was on the phone like, what do I do? What do I do? And they said, tell it, tell it to F off. I thought, I'm not going to do that. It's going to get upset. So I'm just going to chill and not feed into it. Because all it wants is fear. It feeds on fear. I watched it move to the front of my bed and then I... I fall asleep on the phone. I woke up and it was gone. The next night, my friend Tyler was staying with me. Tyler. She <laughs> said, like you knew I was going to say that. She said she was trying to sleep on her body and her body felt paralyzed. Almost. And she described the same exact thing I saw. Wow. <clears throat> I never knew that Ariana had a ghost story. See? But you know, Ariana is what she is. Italian, right? Yeah. They have those type of um, <laughs> like, like, what? like everybody in life don't have it. You gonna try to break it down to specific races that have encounters, like? Yeah, because they have those. Cause Ariana has said it. They they have different things that they believe. They're different um cultures. Mm. Like you, ha- we have cultures where. Well, you know what's crazy? We as African Americans. Mm don't have any of those because the first thing we want to say is that's from the devil and we want to push it aside as a lot of african-americans well african-american christians i'll say they want to push it to the side like it's it's like if you ever hear other people jewish jewish people have a, a tradition of ghost stories of things that they do when a person dies italian have things that they do after a preparing after a person dies. Black people don't want to hear that. We don't prepare that like, body for nothing Christians like that. Christians want to... You moved on. Listen, you died, you, again, you, you, got, you, you, you died, you done, uh, went on to glory, or you went to hell. Again, you the That's devil. from the devil. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll play that like, Everything is not Take the devil. Take that wishy-washy away from us. We're lighter. We don't want to see no specters and spooks. That's the thing I don't like. When they want to claim everything is from the devil. It's the and, devil. And I like how other people Stay are, away from that are open to like... Stay away from that enchantress. Knowing there's other things out here. 
like yeah, other yeah, traditions. Yeah. They want to say cover the mirror because this, 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 and this. Yeah. That's that's belief, but we want to try to push it to the side. That's why I believe. That's why a lot of African Americans get haunted because you're not going to push them to the side. Right. I'm gonna let you know I'm here. Because <laughs> we we try to act like it ain't. We disbelieve. Yeah, I want to act like it, it don't exist. So, wow, Ariana, I'm sorry you had to go through that, girl. Cause whew, I'm not trying to wake up to no black mass around my face. That's just a. And then you 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 she saying they don't you don't you don't supposed to fear and you're not because that does make that mask could have got way bigger because of her fear mm-hmm. so she was a lot better than me because a i would have been frozen yeah and my That's fear would have been beaten. we already discussed that with your, with your panic attack just standing stock still and me feeling the need to just leave you standing there whatever whatever so anyway the next one happy birthday this one comes wait a minute wait what okay yeah this is called happy birthday so in a nutshell shortly before a couple moved into a new house they learned that the previous renter had died right in the middle of the living room they decided to go ahead with the move anyway and almost immediately, their two-year-old daughter started talking about ghosts. And that's where they messed up. Hey, when that realtor told you, he seen that. That was up front. And that's honest. Okay. okay. He was being very honest. And I appreciate that. Because when he would have told me that somebody, that the last person died in the living room, I would have said, I need to see the next house. You got to show me. Because okay, this you. one ain't it. Thank you. And thank you for your like, honesty. I mean, like, I'm not saying I wouldn't move in a house because a person died because every place has a place. You know what you said? Every house is has a house. Every house, two houses. Every house, two houses. Yes, I believe that. So it's like you never know. Even if it's not the house, it's the land. Mm -hmm. Something happened wherever you are at. Because this this land is thousands and thousands of years old. old. Don't tell me nothing like that. I if 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 it's something like why can't just be nice land like you telling me all over? Land, I really believe yes, I really something. believe that all over. That's why it's so many imprints of different that's not things. Right? Then how can we live? Because you're not. Because at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> how can we live? I just want to live earth. normal. You're on an earth that once had cavemen, so just, you don't know. Yeah, these I just imprints live are normal. like just. Just imagine when the end of the world comes and everything rises. I just want to Everything will rise. Did you not hear that in Revelation? Everything that was dead will rise again. That means dinosaurs. That means... I don't think it means dinosaurs, Mom. Yo, I'm trying to tell you everything. I believe everything's going to come up out that ground. You don't know things out of that ocean. They talk about that. Things from the sea that have died in the sea. You don't know that. You don't know that. Okay. I don't want to be alive when that happens. I want to just go to the rapture. And that's, we'll see, dude. Hopefully you do. Don't tell me about what I'm getting excited about when you sat there worrying about some darn rant about joke a movie. I'm talking about real life. I'm talking about real life. This is real life. Don't keep throwing it in my face. This is real life. This is real life. You don't know what's coming. And then you don't know. You in the house. The rapture come. Everything rise. When the Lord come back and everything rise. How you know you sitting in your living room. And the rapture done started. And you see people coming up out of your out of your flooring. 
people that have been there long before you moved in that house. Everything is coming. I don't want to be here. That's why people say they'd rather be going. Would you already rather be a ghost? Would you rather already be dead when the I rapture comes? Like or would you ghost. rather already go through the rapture? I don't want to have that test. I think that if I make it to the rapture and the rapture comes and I'm not called up into the rapture and I have to walk this land, I'm not walking the land. I'm not doing that. I'm not running for the hills. I'm just going to sit in one spot and hope that whatever I'm in crashes down on me quickly and swift. I don't want to have to be questioned about why I didn't live life. I, You know, Lord, I wanted to live life and I did try. I wasn't perfect. I'm not about to make no excuses. I'm not making no excuses. Because I'm not fighting. I'm not doing any of that. You know how you watch these rapture movies and these people are running for the hills. They go into safe houses. They trying to run to the church. I'm not doing any of that because this was something I already knew was going to happen and I should have listened. So whatever, Lord, you got for me right now, I'm just going to take it. If I sit here and a car just come by and smash me, Hey, hey, it is what it is. If a dragon comes back down and swoop me in his mighty grass and chew me up and I feel every bite of his teeth in my skin, hey, if a pterodactyl come and fly me all the way up into the clouds and just let me go and I go flying down to the ground, crashing and breaking every bone in my body, hey, if the devil himself come and just just stand in front of me removing all of my insides and, and, and I feel every bit of it with my intestines being pulled out hey if a demon comes from up under the ground and I'm just sitting there and they just swoop me and start chomping on the back of my head I'm not fighting I'm just sitting there if Goliath come down and stomp on me with his mighty foot, I'm not going to do anything but just sit there. No, you always used to say, how you going to run? You get Where are you running to? Where are you going to go? I never said I was running. It's pointless. Yo, you did so. You said you wasn't waiting for me. You were going to leave. But where are you going? In the end of the world. Moving away from me too. Exactly. So why go? This is what I don't understand in these movies when they be going and they be fighting. I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna just inevitably it's the end of the world. You either have seven years, I'm not making it through seven years. I'm not I can't. I'm not fighting, I'm either gonna starve or just be really starving. But they say you'll beg for death. Long before it comes, so that means you can be hungry and you will not die. You be saying, All right, I ain't gonna eat nothing. I don't care, I'm not getting the mark of the beast, so I'm not, I don't want no brain or nothing. I'm gonna starve it out. And you probably be so weak, your stomach be growling all heavy and hard, and you can't die. You just say, Lord, please, any day now, and it don't be any day, it be six more years to count, <laughs> and you just be starving. Like, you know how he keep it on you. Like, yeah. you just, you think you being funny. And you think you're going to just die soon. If you don't eat, you figure 
and I'll be dead in about a couple days. And a couple days go by, and a couple days go by, you still gotta wake up. I ain't died yet, Lord, please don't do this to me. That's what he means. Okay. <laughs> he means, let me stop. I'm getting that man that took me somewhere. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I went all the way off. So anyway, where did I leave off? I'm sorry, listeners. That took me somewhere. Be quiet. Be quiet. Okay. She was always telling me that the ghost was in her playhouse in the basement or that the ghost was on the stairs or that the ghost was standing in the corner. She never seemed to be afraid of the ghost and considered and considered him to be her friend. So I wasn't at all that concerned even even if there really was a ghost haunting our house. If he's a nice and helpful ghost, it could certainly be a lot worse. I would often tell the ghost that he was welcome to stay if he wanted to, but he was also welcome to go if that would make him happier. Sounds fine-ish, right? Wrong. This kid told her parents that the ghost was on the back deck and it was the ghost's birthday, so she wanted to sing him happy birthday, which, nope. Once again, I mostly disregarded what she was saying as she is birthday obsessed and has in the past made us sing happy birthday to Mickey Mouse, a bowl of fruit snacks, and the bathroom. So we, no, she wanted to, <laughs> so we sang and wished the ghost a happy birthday. No, and I'm went, not doing all that. <laughs> and, went, and went on with our lives. But guys, guess what happened next? Later that day, I grew curious and looked up the obit of the man who died in the living room. And to quote directly, it was his fucking birthday. Goodbye, world. <laughs> so the whole time she was telling the truth. It was that's See? That's why I'm glad you told me that the man died in the living room. But if he was a cool See now I don't have a problem living with a ghost. If it's a cool ghost, if it's a ghost that's going to bring me the numbers, if it's a ghost that's going to like, like him, like, don't bother me. If it's something broke, fix it. If nothing else is happening, don't be, no, don't show yourself. Like, you know, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Cook dinner. No, I ain't no ghost dinner. Now, if it's Casper, (laughs) something like that. I can deal with it, I believe. Yeah, I can deal with it. No, it's not going to be like that. In the shadow, I see a shadow outside the glass. No, I heard I've read stories of ghosts that were like really cool ghosts. I've read a story where, um, I've read a story, I heard of a story where, um, this girl had moved in the house, and well, not this girl, a woman, a lady, a family had moved in the house, and they had a little girl, and she, um, had bought this dresser for her daughter. She had bought a dresser for her and put it in her room. And after the dresser was there for about a week, the girl started playing with somebody because she didn't have no friends before. Because she had, they had just moved there, so it was hard for her to make friends. So for a week, her mom used to watch her outside in, um, outside in the, in the front yard, swinging on a swing set, laughing and giggling and running through, like running as if she was playing with somebody. And she told her, she asked her one day who she was playing with, and she told her she was playing with the girl. She she always said, the little, I can't remember what the girl's name was, but she said it. And her mom was just like, oh, thinking it was her imaginary friend. But the girl became adamant that the girl was really there. 
So, like, when she would invite her over, she would invite her over her house, the ghost house. The girl had a ghost, the girl's house. She, like, one day she invited her to come over her house. And when the girl went to the house, it was, like, down, like, maybe down the road a little, not far. Like, you know how houses are far apart, but not really that far. You can still walk to one, but yeah. they're not they're not really next door neighbors. It's like some fields you gotta go through to get to the next house. I know what you're saying. Like that. So she had walked in and she took her to like this decrepit house. She said it the house was like old and run down and it had boards up on the door. Like she couldn't get in there. Like right. but to her but to the little girl, the ghost girl, that was her house. Mm-hmm. And it probably didn't look like that in her eyes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So they just played outside for a while. And then the girl ended up going back home, inviting her to come over there and yeah. eat dinner. So when she got to the house to eat dinner, the mom had told her that it wasn't nobody right. to eat dinner with. She made her set the whole plate and everything. But she said she did it, although the food still sat there. And the girl, they was laughing and joking like the food was being eaten, but the food was still sitting there. You watching the girl eat? Yup. No, the mom wasn't watching the girl eat. The girl was some, yeah. So they was just playing. And then she said, this went on for like probably like a year or two. And they had ended up going to the beach. And the girl had told her, this is when the mom knew something. This is when she finally like knew that her daughter was telling the truth because the the girl had told her that she wanted her to go to the beach with them because they was going on a trip to the beach. And she wanted the ghost girl to go with her. And she told her that she couldn't go with her unless she had something that she owned. The girl. Yeah. So she had to go oh, back. I you told me the story. Yeah, she had to go back to the house. Yeah. And I think she found either a ball or something. Like a locket or something. No, it was a ball because they went to the beach. And they had, she had found a little ball, like a little tennis ball. Yeah. And she had found that ball and she had went, they had went, ended up going to the beach and they get to the beach, and the, the daughter is in the water playing with the ball, and the mom happened to look, and the ball had actually went in the air, like as if somebody had threw it up, and her daughter was catching it, but her daughter wasn't throwing it up in the air. Yes. I can't remember the whole full story, but I'm just saying that, that, that can happen. You can... It would have been over. It's not happening. I'm done. Wow. Okay, this is one is the pancake ghost. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Mm-hmm. How you do this? So, sorry for that interruption. But like I said, this is the pancake ghost. This one takes place in a home that was built around 1904. Um, the brother and his best friend were leaving band practice only to realize they've forgotten their pancakes. Can you make some pancakes today? With some bacon? Yeah. I just thought about pancakes when he said pancakes. <laughs> then the pancakes sounded so good right now. Friend were leaving band practice only to realize they've forgotten their pancakes. Inside in a to-go container. And as anyone who loves pancakes knows that's a very serious issue. So after my brother walks back, he's about to retrieve his food container 
when out of the corner of his eye he sees it. It has a shadowy figure right at his perpetual in his peripheral vision. This feeling of dread and uneasiness washed over my brother. We had been taught that if you are in the presence of a spirit or a ghost and you felt a bad vibe to say quick prayer or to cuss at it. My brother chose the latter. He basically just told it, hey, fuck you. I don't have time for this shit. Not exactly what I what I would have done, but whatever. Either way, this guy walked back to his car, feeling the presence of the ghost with him the entire time. He climbed into the driver's seat of the truck, putting on his seatbelt and getting ready to pull out of the parking spot directly in front of the house. When one of his friends asked, hey, what about your brother? Isn't he coming with us? My brother answered, what do you what do you mean? He went to work early tonight. He is already gone. Do you see his car anywhere? And the guy said, and then, yeah, you guessed it. The next question they asked, so then who was walking behind you when you were leaving the house? Mm. Mm. Now, wow, see? Well, mm, that's all I can say. Let's move on to Miley Cyrus haunting. Nope. It's not just Ariana. Miley has experienced a haunting around 2013 when she was staying at an apartment she owned in London Mm. and saw a little boy watching her shower. Oh, wow, creepy. I thought I had seen a little boy sitting on the sink watching me take a shower, so I felt really freaked out. I was sitting there the next night, and maybe I'm crazy, but I could have sworn I could see this little boy sitting there on the sink kicking his feet. My mom was getting mad that we were looking into it because she thought it was going to scare Noah. So then my aunt, who hadn't told, who we hadn't told about this, comes in and starts freaking out. She's like, I had no idea what happened, but I left the apartment and I came back and all the doors and windows were open. I locked the apartment. Miley started looking into the history of her building and found out that a man and his son had owned it as a bakery back in the olden days and so she thinks the son was the kid who had been watching her so yes she moved <laughs> <laughs> so Isn't it great when you just got money to go mm-hmm. so this one next is the conjuring and it is in fact based on a true story of demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren I love them who helped the Perron family deal with their haunted Rhode Island home the story goes that the parents moved into the place in 1971 and weird stuff started happening right away. Weird stuff like random piles of dirt showing up in their kitchen for no reason. What? Just a pile of dirt in your kitchen. Furniture mysteriously moving, unexplained noises, and ah, yes, ghosts. Not to mention the occasional possession. The main spirit that haunted the parent family was the ghost of real-life Satanists from the 1800s named Bathsheba Sherman. Turns out the parents' house had previously been owned by the same family for many generations, and numerous members of that family had died in terrible, tragic ways. We're talking about kids drowning, murders, and hanging in the attic. Keep that house. The next one is the dolls. So, this dude who was living with his girlfriend's parents and was hanging at home alone one night playing World World of Warcraft when this went down. Where my computer and desk sat above my head was an AC vent. 
Often I could hear her sister playing in her room. From that then, I was leveling my paladine or something when I heard laughing and giggling coming from the vent. Nobody was supposed to be home, so my heart picked up. I glanced at the clock on my computer and it read 1.36 a.m. I remember this all very distinctively. He went upstairs to investigate and when he got there, he used his cell phone to light up the room, which brings us to this moment. I saw a small figure, what I assumed was a small girl, wrapped in a white sheet in the center of the room. Q-Pinch shitting. <laughs> he said Q-Pinch, he said right Q-Pinch there. shitting. Yeah. This figure, this young girl, stops playing with the dolls and slowly looks up at me. It let out the most ear-shattering scream you can imagine. My skin crawls just thinking about it, and my chest tightens just remembering it. I wish I could tell you what transpired, but I remember waking up at the bottom of the landing, right next to the door of the kitchen. I stumbled into the kitchen to get a drink of water and to contemplate what the fuck just happened. I glanced at the clock on the microwave. The clock read 4.46 a.m. What the hell happened in those three hours? What was being done to you that you don't because uh-huh. he said he said when she let out that scream he woke the next thing he remembered waking up at the bottom of the so what happened what did she do to him like I don't like that that's what I don't like well moving on to the great grandma the great grandma um time for a lovely story about a person who saw their great grandma's ghost right when she died Yay, the horror. Basically, this person also was in second grade and was watching Lord of the Rings on VHS super early one morning, as you do. Suddenly, all the sound of the movie started fading away, and she got the sense they were dying. Keep in mind that I'm in, a, that I'm in second grade, so this is a pretty intense conclusion. But I just knew I rode over onto my back ready to and excited to expect my fate. That was when I saw it. There was a large white figure in my doorway just hovering and pulsating a white aura. I quickly panicked and began calling out for my brother. His room was across the hall. The figure glided to the end of the bed and just sat there watching. I'm not really sure how many times, how much time passed, but the figure suddenly vanished. Sound came and the euphoria disappeared. Suddenly, the phone started ringing over and over and over again at exactly 5.30 a.m., and naturally, this is how the story ends. My great-grandma passed away in the hospital at 5.30 a.m., and the phone calls were my grandma calling to notify us. Me and and my great-grandma were extremely close. To this day, I get chills thinking about it. I know that there are a few ways to explain the occurrence, but I know for a fact that it was a 100% paranormal experience. Hey. <laughs> you so dry. like This is Demi Lovato's haunting. Everybody seemed to... This Hollywood, you can expect it. Um. Okay, back in 2013, Demi told BuzzFeed that she likes to go ghost hunting in her Texas home which is ridiculously haunted by a little girl. I think her name is Emily. I've had a medium come over and the ghost hunters, and they both told me the same name, Emily. 
There were so many times that I saw her when I was growing up. I saw her in my closet one time when I was three years old. My mom caught me talking to something by myself. She asked who you talk to, and I said my best friend Emily. She's playful. She'd probably be around 11 or 12 years old, maybe younger. But wait, it gets worse. One of my friends, Tucker, come, came over one time, and he asked, So your house is haunted, I said? Yeah, just watch. Something will happen. Something always happens. We started to watch a movie when all of a sudden a laptop in my kitchen started to play a movie also. It was a dark screen before, so it was a question of who turned it on and hit play. And after that, Tucker text a friend saying, I think this house is haunted. A movie just turned on by itself, and there was a glitch on his phone that kept texting him back the word definitely over and over again. That happened about 30 times. And that note, they did not have fun sleeping that night. See? Definitely. 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 Over and over and over again. I would start to cry. Because that's the type of person I am. What's going on? See, that's why. It's like every time we start... That just came out of nowhere, yeah, see? Yeah, creepy stuff. How the hell, where the hell did that even come? Wow. See? I don't know. But, um, I don't know. That was kind of crazy. I don't know about no ghosts or no work. I don't like them kid ghosts. I've said this before. Little kids shouldn't have spirits. They should just be going on. Mm-hmm. If anything, with a person older, but a little kid, don't nobody want to see no little kid ghost. Nobody wants to have that. <laughs> you know? Don't nobody want to. had something tragic happen. Yeah. Like the little boy David, dear David. I don't want to see dear David. Well, I, now that I know it's great, it's a true story, I don't even think I want to see that movie. Because I don't want to see nothing about no little kid. You know? Yeah. It's just sad. It's like it was a tragedy. Just look at our parents. Mm. Well. What, you don't think of their parents? <laughs> like, I said, like I said, it's a mod. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. This is called. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. So, okay, I don't know. I can't read this person's story because it's so jumbled up into one word. Like, it's a story, but like, it's, you can't even, I'm sorry, I can't, and I'm sorry for, like, going through this. But I was sitting here trying to figure out how I could read it, but it's still, it's like an ongoing sentence. And it's just like no periods, no commas, no nothing, <laughs> it's just straight running. It's a run-on. It's a run-on sentence. So I have to go to the next one. Okay, so this one is a little girl who wasn't. So, <clears throat> I lived in a house from hell. 
from hell. From hell. Wow. For for four years, from age eleven to almost sixteen, there was constantly something happening: doors flying open and shut, <clears throat> voices, footsteps. Nothing ever stayed where you put it. I was alone there a lot because my both parents worked, and I was constantly terrified. One of the most gut level disturbing things, though, was the little girl in my bathroom. Every time I walked past my bathroom door, which was constantly since it was right outside the bedroom, I saw a little girl with blonde curled hair and a rose-colored dress. She stood there staring, looking like a photograph from 1905. (laughs) She said she's staring there looking like a photograph. I started keeping the door closed so I could walk by without seeing her, but she was always there. When I opened... Wait a minute, what she say? But she was always there. When I opened it, once I stepped in past her, I could see I couldn't see her anymore, but I could feel her there. She scared me, but I felt really sorry for her because she was trapped there, just like me, but probably forever. As the years went by and things in the house continued to get worse, she started seeming darker. I started feeling like she wasn't really a little girl. I knew there was something ugly in the house and I felt like it was presenting this sympathetic image to me. Then I started thinking I was completely losing my mind. One day when I was 14, I had a friend from out of town come stay with me for a week. I hadn't told her anything whatsoever about the house because I didn't think she would come if I did. Right after she got there, she was sitting in my room and she left to go to the bathroom. About a minute later, she walked back in with a puzzled look on her face and said, So there's a little girl in your bathroom? Um, I, yeah, she hangs out in there. Blonde hair, curls, pink dress, yeah. You know, that's not really a little girl, don't you? I almost threw up. I was so relieved and terrified and excited and ready to run out of the house screaming. She wouldn't use my bathroom the rest of the week. I started using it as little as possible without pissing off my parents, who did not want to believe. Eventually, we moved out of the house, and I could not have been happier. I distanced myself from it mentally as much as I could. Then when I was 18, I took another friend on a road trip to pack up a few things I left in the house. My parents hadn't managed to sell it and wouldn't wouldn't for five more years. The minute we got on the property, my friend seemed uncomfortable. When we came around the bend in the long, steep driveway, he went completely white. I couldn't tell, I could tell something was wrong, but he insisted he was okay. So we got to work. After a while, he asked to use the bathroom, and I directed him to mine. Not 20 seconds after he left, he came running back in, gasping for breath, and slammed the, ba- the bedroom door behind him. He started babbling about a little blonde girl who isn't really a little girl. All of a sudden, he went dead still, looked me in the eye, and very solemnly said, She's not happy with you. You left, and you weren't supposed to. We threw whatever we could grab in two trips in my car. After I walked him to another bathroom and waited outside the door and got the fuck out at (laughs) top speed. (laughs) Say that the fuck out. Um, so this is another one. So when I was in when I was barely twenty years old, I was traveling with a small group of people through China. 
and we were spending about two months in, what is this? Oh, you know, I don't know, Quinkai province, we used, which used to be part of Tibet. Or our destinations was a specific town to teach English. But when we'd been stopping often in towns and small cities along the way, one day we arrived in a rural town very small. Nothing unusual. We spent only a couple days there shopping for food at the markets and walking around to see the sights. Although there weren't many, this was indeed the dead of winter in February and all the grass on the hills and plains around the town was dead and brown. Mm -hmm. The overall feeling was that the kind that of the normal kind of bleakness that any royal place has in the winter. At this time in my life, things were going amazingly, extraordinarily well for me, and I say that because my teenagehood had been rather darkly overcast by that overwhelming good luck of being able to travel, and these close friends I've made in the last year had more than changed my feelings and attitude towards life. It was like I was a whole new person. I was ecstatic to be in Tibet, went to sleep with a smile on my face every night. On our second day staying in this small town, I woke up feeling a little odd. Not bad, just odd. Like my normal thoughts and feelings had been turned down low. Like, a, like on a dial. We all decided to go for a walk on the hills right behind the town. Where there was a small summit with a pile of, with, with a pile of rocks and some prayer flags. To be honest, there were little altars. They were little altars like these on every other hill but it gave us something to do. As we hiked up the hills behind the town, I started feeling stranger and stranger. I wasn't scared, and I didn't feel angry or any strong emotion. In fact, it was like emotion was trickling out of me somehow, and I was getting blanker and blanker, emptier and emptier. My mind started feeling a little hazy, and more and more I felt like I simply didn't care about anything. A small and rapidly dwindling dwindling part of myself started to panic. Knew that something bad was happening, but it was like my own inner voice was slowly getting quieter and quieter. I remember we reached the little summit, and I simply sank to the ground next to the pile of rocks without meaning to. So I started turning out, tuning out the voices around me and fixed all my attention on the little pebbles in the dirt. I began tapping one against the other repeatedly, do you know the kind of horror that's, that is opposite of feeling scared feeling of feeling scared or feeling anything at all? The kind of vivacious hiddenness of a flying of a fly buzzing against the closed window for hours on end in the empty room. That's what was filling my mind. It was demonic and it's meaningless. I touched my face and I felt that I was grinning at nothing. Through all the emptiness, a thought floated to the forefront of my mind. You should just die. Mm. At first, it sounded totally reasonable, but something in me fought it and was momentarily troubled. Right then, my group started to walk down the hill, and I followed. The further we walked, the more normal I felt until we left the town that afternoon, and I was totally freaked out when another girl, Hannah, mentioned in an off, in an offhand way, that she had felt very strange and depressed while staying there. I told her that I had felt the same. When the group mentioned that that a local had told him that the town had been plagued with the rash of young women under 25 committing suicide, 
him and I were white. They probably, you know where they probably was at in China. What is that place? Um, that forest. <clears throat> that forest. Yeah. Isn't that in China? Yeah. Where they kill her? They go there to kill themselves. Suicide forest. Yeah. Wow. I would. I, I mean, you say that you would never do certain things, but you really never know what you'll do in them desperate in moments. Situation. Because I've been depressed, and I know it's time. So I can imagine one day I'm just being depressed, and I just decide I'm going to take a walk in the forest. And if the forest really do. I don't know. That was it. So, I don't know, but it's been real. We'll be back with some more episodes. That was a horrible Halloween Thank you for listening. So make sure oh, you tune in, like, subscribe. Whatever. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. So have fun. Happy Halloween, guys, and be safe.